0: Today on It's Time. The Bible says you must be born again. And because we can say, God, I need to be born again, God says I'm going to put something in you that will give you the power to overrule that old sin nature. That's what you need.
1: Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike.
0: the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought forth to the judges to see whether he had a hand in his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, donkey, sheep, you can put your own stuff in there, or any other lost thing, any other claim to be his that the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, whomever the judge condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. And if a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, a beast, to keep, and it dies or is hurt or driven away, and no one seeing it Then an oath of the Lord shall be between both of them, and he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner shall accept that, and and he shall not make good. So when you look at this, you realize that um, there was a way of solving the disputes that would happen between people. Now, now again, uh, they said right now, America is the most litigious that it has ever been. I mean, people are suing each other over parking spots anymore. And so when we realize this, you begin to see how this can continue to go on. And so this is where he says, look, if somebody had their hand in this and he said, no, I didn't. You make an oath before the Lord. Then the Bible says, let God work it out. God will be the one that will make the difference. But in fact, verse 12, it is stolen from him. He shall make restitution to the owner of it if it's torn to pieces by an animal then he shall bring the evidence and he shall not make good and he shall not make good what was torn um, you say what okay you let your neighbor take care of your sheep for you you take off you go down to downtown Jerusalem to the uh, swap meet okay you come back in a couple of weeks and he says hey sorry your animal is uh, gone where would I go uh, I don't know. I think it ran off. You should take better care of your animals and train them better. No, he said, it's gone. We don't know where it went. Well, then what happened? Well, we got a problem here because, uh, uh, well, uh, animals got it. And the animals ate it. Some, some, Some wild jackal came out of the woods and ate your sheep. He says, then you bring the carcass to the magistrates, And they will then determine that, in fact, it wasn't stolen, that it was mauled. Why is that important? Because if there's no carcass, then that means that it wasn't eaten by another animal. Maybe this guy turned around and just sold it to somebody. That's why it was. So there was different things that would go on to protect the evidence of of the things that were disappearing. And if any man borrows anything from his neighbor, it becomes injured or dies the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. But if the owner was with it and he has not made it good, if it was hired or came uh, for his hire. So in other words, you are responsible when you let things. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, don't be surety for a stranger. You say, what does that mean? Don't be a cosigner. I've had people come to me and say, Hey, Mike, you know, I'm trying to take out a loan here at the bank. And, uh, you know, like my credit's really shot. You know, I got a credit score of negative 20. And I want you to be a cosigner for me, bro. You ever got that one? The Bible says, don't do it. Proverbs goes on. Solomon goes on and says, why should they take your bed? Because he can't pay. Now, if the person says, hey, bro, you know, the the family of God is an interesting thing. It's one of the most precious things in the world and probably one of the most frustrating things in the world. Amen. I know a lot of people that don't want to go to church because they met Christians. Sad, isn't it? Maybe they didn't meet real Christians. Maybe they met plastic Christians. But the thing is, is that a real Christian, when you realize a person, when they become born again, King David said, I've never seen the seed of the righteous begging bread. Your God will provide for you according to his riches and glory. How does God do that? I don't know. I just know he does. Whether it's multiplying the loaves and fishes... Or whether it's just having birds come and deliver your meals like it was for Elijah. I don't know. But I know God has a way of doing it. And if a person comes to me and says, bro, and I'm just warning all of you in the church here, if somebody does that to you, you need to redirect them to who their daddy is. I just say, who's your daddy? because your father in heaven will provide all of their needs, all of your needs, according to his riches and glory. That's why the Bible says that. So if somebody says, hey, I need you to co-sign a loan for me, bro. Then I'd say, well, bro, you need to go back to your heavenly father and see what does he want you to have? Maybe he doesn't want you to have that. Now that doesn't mean, because we're going to get down here a little bit farther, that doesn't mean we turn our eye to the poor at all. We want to help people. But we want to remember that people in that old nature will even use the Bible, use God for their advantage. We've got to be careful about that. So in other words... Proverbs tells us that maybe it just may be father, daddy is trying to get their attention to redirect the way they spend their money back to a godly format rather than what I see is what I get. And you're going to pay for it. Big difference. So he tells us here, We want to be careful. So when you become surety for a stranger, and so you want to, you want to remember that, uh, especially in different things that you may do. Uh, Solomon felt it was enough of an issue to mention it in Proverbs. Verse 16, if a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and he lays with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. A bride price in those days was commonly called a dowry. Now, what it was, was alimony in advance. Just was. In other words, if you want to marry me, uh, I'm going to give you this large sum of goats, sheep, gold, whatever it might be in advance so that if I prove to be a flake you're going to be taken care of that's what it was, that's what a dowry actually was you were putting a down payment on your uh, on your, to to the father on your daughter to take care of her if this guy proves to be a flake so he says you're going to do that if you lay with her you basically engaged her is what it's saying here. Now, here again, this is where the Bible is pretty strong on morality issues, not real popular in our world today, but very much what the Bible says. Now, it doesn't say that he will be taken out and executed. Uh, there are some other verses farther up that deal with that because of the, uh, the um, not going by what it says here. If the father utterly refuses to give her to him, you know, you're a flake, I don't want to see your face go away kind of thing. He shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. In other words, of what the dowry was in those days that was set. And you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Now, sorceress uh, uh, covers male and female, it covers those in incantations, contacting the dead, using drugs. Uh, in the New Testament, the word sorcery is, the word actually out of the Greek is the word pharmakia, uh, which means mind-altering things. So a lot of times, in fact, many people know that when you go out and get strung out on drugs, uh, pharmakia, uh, it opens yourself up to demonic activity and many, many people, I believe today, are possessed because of altering themselves through drugs. That's one of the reasons why our forefathers felt it was so bad to allow Drugs to be widely used. Now, we see the legalization of pot. We see all these different problems. Uh, I, I've been reading some of the things now that pot is so widely used in California. Boy, I don't tell you what's wrong with that state. But anyway... Uh, as uh, you, you see the wide use of, of drugs. They're finding all kinds of other... Oh, yeah, it cures glaucoma. Yeah, but it's giving people heart attacks now as well. There's a lot of things that these things do that we don't know. And a lot of things we don't know the long-term effect on. And so, as you look at this, those that were really your drug dealer, your spiritual guide away from the things of God. He said, don't allow them to live. Why? Because it destroys the culture. Now, one of the things you'll find in the New Testament, you don't find anywhere where if you found a witch, you were to kill them. Um, so I wish people that, you know, that today, even now in Salem, Massachusetts, kind of fault Christians for, you know, cooking witches would have just simply realized the New Testament. We want to pray for him, We don't want to kill him. But under the Old Testament law, God understood and without the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life in Acts chapter 2 that came upon the believers, people would be subjected to many evil spirits and many things. And look at all the people that Jesus cured of demonic possession in his ministry in just those three years that he walked this earth, how many people that he touched. And the demonic uh, uh, oppression caused many things. It caused illness. It caused uh, uh, psychopathic behavior. The man of Gadara, It caused a, a, a suicide thing. It, 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 it included fascination with things that are dead. Remember, where did the where did the man uh, Gadara live? It says he lived in the graveyard. Uh, uh, he was a cutter. He had cut himself. The Bible says he had supernatural strength. Some could tell fortunes. Some it would it would blind or or cause them to be deaf demonic activity is alive and well on the earth today and that's why listen if you don't get anything outside of this sermon this morning get this always keep Jesus between you and the devil don't go around trying to find the names of devils you know when I've come in contact with people who have been demon possessed I just go in the name of Jesus out I don't want to know your name I don't know where I don't want to know your zip code I want you to go away It's interesting as we study about demons in the Bible, they're territorial. The Bible says if you cast the demon out of somebody and you don't share with them Jesus and something wonderful and warm and of God comes into their life, that demon that was cast out will go get seven more demons worse than himself and try to move back into the person that he was just kicked out of. Why do demons want to be in a body? Because they're disembodied spirits. They need a body in order to do the devious things they want to do. And so that's why I believe through the things that we see in our world today. And you look at movies, you look at what Hollywood has done. You look at all these different things, uh, popularizing demonic activity. You look at all this crazy stuff. And in some way that makes it okay. It's not okay. In fact, God knew that it would ruin culture. It would ruin the people of Israel. And so he said, you should not allow a sorceress to live. Verse 19. Whoever lies with the beast shall be put to death. Bestiality and all that kinky word stuff that goes on. Uh, many people, uh, in fact, they, they pretty much have attributed most all venereal disease to bestiality. Uh, now, uh, something real important you want to understand, you can just breeze over these things and miss this. But remember when God told uh, Samuel, tell Saul to go utterly wipe out the Amalekites. And kill all the animals, kill everything. Don't bring back anything alive. And I've had people on Terry Menace or Colin, they'll say things like, well, what kind of a God would say things like that? Well, it simply shows that people don't understand how kinky weird people can get their animals were polluted the people were polluted everything kill them all they're bad news and what did Saul do he brings back sheep and cattle and he goes to Samuel and says Samuel I did just what you told me to do I killed the Amalekites and wiped out everything and Samuel says what's this bleeding of of, of sheep I hear in my ears You didn't do what God said to do. You you, you did what you thought you should do. And by the way, God rejected him from being king over that. But what's amazing is that there was a reason why God would come and tell Joshua, kill everything, because of bestiality. In Canaanite religious practices, having sex with animals was like really good. It's really bad. And God knew that. And so that's why when he'd say, go in and wipe out everything, everything, everyone. And every once in a while in the Bible, you'll catch something that they all miss for a cleansing for the land. Why? Because we can even see today diseases brought on by bad lifestyles. Destroying individuals, destroying culture, destroying these things. Now, does that mean God doesn't love you? No, that means God does love you. But God wants us to be wise. And don't ever find yourself being captivated by that. See, the devil's really good at hiding truth. He never tells you the consequences for the sin you're about to do. This is how he's a specialist in sin. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says, he says, he who sacrifices to any God except to the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Uh, that's right. God was very strict about that because, again, they had been trained in Egypt for 400 years of pantheism, worshiping idols, all these things. God says, you got to get it out of your system. It ain't going to be good for you. Then he goes on and he says, you shall uh, neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. In other words, we want to be gracious. We want to be kind to people that are new, people that don't know God. That's part of our heart and what we want to do. And so he says, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. In fact, if anything, we're supposed to help them. And we're supposed to be the family that they don't have. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives your and will be widows and your children will be fatherless. You don't want to make God mad. I just know that there's a lot of things you can do. Just don't get God mad at you. That's a good thing. If you, t- t- um, he says, if you lend money, To any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like the moneylenders or the banks. To him, you shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. Why? Because that might be the only thing he has to keep him warm. So, okay, I'll lend you the money, but you give me this for collateral. But then the Bible says, then you be sure you give that back to him before the sun goes down. Well, when why would you take it in the first place? I think that's a fair question. Well, it's because then you can take that that he gave you, and you can even go to your friends and say, "Look, he gave me this because I lend him money." And God says, "Okay, once you showed everybody, give it back to him." So he says, "For verse twenty-seven. For for that is the only covering it." Uh, is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear for I am gracious. You shall not revile God nor curse the ruler of your people. You shall not delay. Uh, By the way, that's speaking of godly government all the way through the Bible. You find where people who love God stood up against wicked government, whether it be Elisha, uh, whether it be, um, uh, especially Elijah, um, Jeremiah, Jesus called Herod, that old fox. Not a good term uh, all the way through. So you shall not revile God nor curse the rule of your people. You shall not delay an offering of the first of your uh, ripe produce for your juices. The uh, firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. By the way, the firstborn always belongs to God. Um, I did that one time. I said, how many people in here are firstborn in your family? And uh, why don't we do that? Who's a firstborn here? Yeah, you belong to God right right from the get-go. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen, your sheep. It shall be with its mother. Seven days on the eighth day, you shall give it to me. Uh, that's talking about tithe and, and things like this. You shall be holy men. You shall not eat any meat which is torn by beasts in the field. Uh, you shall throw it to the dogs. Because in that tearing of the meat, uh, bad blood could have got in there, germs from the, the, the animal that was attacking to it. You'd be contaminated. He just says, hey, animal torn. Don't try to salvage it. Just give it to the animals for food. Amen. Case in point, old sin nature. You may really be wrestling with such a thing in your life right now. And if you are, I got some good news for you. You can get help. The Bible says you must be born again. I like that about God because he knows what we need before we ask. And because we can say, God, I need to be born again. God says, I'm going to put something in you that will give you the power to overrule that old sin nature. That's what you need. And so when God does this in our life, that gives us strength. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you're living your life the way you think it should be lived. Like a kid in the kitchen, eating chocolate chip cookies. Denying that you really have an old sin nature that will lie, cheat, steal, do whatever it needs to do to cover for itself. That self-preservation, God says, I want to take care of you. I want to be your daddy. I'm going to free you up. You don't have to do that anymore. And I'll let... I'll take care of you. You let me take care of everything else. That's a good deal. Trading away something you can't keep for something you'll never lose. That's a good deal. This morning, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, if you've never realized you're a sinner and you need to be saved, that's why Jesus died on the cross for you. His blood was shed for you. It's because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So you need that in your life, letting God be God, let Him bless you, let Him heal you, and restore you. This morning, if you've never prayed, and you might say, you know, I looking at some of these things, like some of these things you read about stealing and stuff like, that, I've done all that. You need to be forgiven. You're carrying a lot of guilt around on your shoulders that you were never designed by God as a human being to carry. You need to be forgiven. And the Bible says, if we'll ask, he says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, you can walk out of here a completely different person than you walked in here as. You can walk out of here with the Holy Spirit in you instead of an old sin nature that wants to do whatever it wants to do for self-preservation. You see, God can do that for you. And then God opens your eyes to anomalies, things that are different. And that's where God will show you what to do, where to go and how to be. This morning, if you've never asked God to come into your life, we're going to pray right now. And the Bible says, if, if you'll ask him, he will do this. So, so if you want, if you don't want another 10 years like you just had, you pray this and let God do what he wants to do in your life right now. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus name. And I invite you into my life today. These things we read about in your Bible, I'm guilty of some of them. And so I ask you to forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and he took away my sins. And so I ask you now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. To give me power to live my life the way I will live it without regret. And Lord, I believe you rose from the dead to give me life as well, each and every day. So write my name now in your book of life so I can spend eternity with you forever. And Lord, may my life reflect your love in this world, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.